Episode six. 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 Six times. Times. Come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, fork flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty legged. And now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah, blah, blah. No, blah, blah, blah. Hand me down the shark repellent bat spray. Holy shit, Batman, has the franchise jumped the shark? Hi, I'm Two True Freaks, Chris Honeywell, along with my co-freak, Scott Gardner. Are hey, you there? It going? It's going pretty good. We're here with another special, fun episode of uh, Two True Freaks, and this time we're once again going to go against the grain, I guess, not really willingly, just by virtue of our opinion. But we're good, which I'm giving. Maybe I'm giving away too much. But this is our uh, our episode, our Batman episode, um, with basically our critique of the new Batman movie, uh, The Dark Knight, which yep. now we've both seen and can compare notes. And uh, I'll just say, I don't think, uh, unlike most people in the entire universe who've declared this movie like better than The Godfather. And the greatest superhero movie ever, or at least the greatest Batman movie. I have literally heard people say, well, I, I take that back. I've literally read, rather, where people are saying, this is the greatest movie ever. Ever! Yes. Now, another thing I heard somebody say on a, on, a, on a film review website that I really like, I go to a lot, and I, and I won't mention them now because I'm, I'm going to be sort of bitching about them. Just to be nice, because I'm a nice guy. But uh, they were actually urging people to just go out and buy tickets for it, just to give, just to so that this movie would outdistance Titanic as far as money maker in a certain mm -hmm. period of time. That it, it's basically headed that way. And just saying, see this movie multiple times. I've already seen it five times. You know, go out and just buy a ticket because we need this movie to surpass Titanic as, you know, the greatest of all time. And, what? Oh, come on. <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. It's got, right as we stand tonight, it's got a 94% rating on the tomato meter, if anybody's... Uh, 
knows about RottenTomatoes.com. You know, they take a conglomeration oh, yeah. of all the reviews and they give. And ninety four is just un unprecedented. It's un fucking real, man. I mean, I I can see two negative reviews out of all from, of them right here. I mean, I go to that site from time to time, mostly for video game reviews, and I'm I'm telling you, man. Shit hardly ever gets that high, can, and I mean, I've I've can, played some great games. I've seen some great movies that that don't come anywhere close to that. Can I just take a second here to um, read a few of of the oh, yeah. of the little blurbs just to give you an idea of what people are saying? You know, everybody knows what people are saying about this movie, and they probably feel this way too, which is, is... okay. Here's one. Were films judged entirely by the emotive impact of their opening and closing images, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight would be a masterpiece. Be not fooled. This movie may circle D.A. Harvey Dent and may toy with Wayne's weariness and loneliness, but this story belongs heart and soul to Ledger's Joker. Even if Ledger hadn't died, critics and audiences alike would still be buzzing about the star's turn as a Joker. We can have not just good comic book movies, but amazing comic book movies. You will exit the cinema with an enhanced respect for Nolan's intelligence, for Wally Pfister's pin-sharp cinematography, and sadly, for an acting talent tragically curtailed. Nolan gives in a bit to bloated sequel syndrome, but this is still one of the most riveting, thrilling, and wrenching movies of the year. It could be the bleakest big-budget adventure since Blade Runner tanked on release near the dawn of the Reagan era. Uh, and on and on and on. Watching the first dizzying, vertigous overhead shot of the glittering skyscrapers and minuscule streets, I literally forgot to breathe for a second or two and found <laughs> myself teetering forward in my seat. Oh, my God, lightning just and thunder just went off outside my window. Whoa. There you go. See? Even God is pissed off that, I, that I'm <laughs> mocking the good reviews of The Dark Knight. Uh-oh. So Maybe we need to just not do this episode if you know if, if Jesus himself came down and, and, and liked it that much, I guess. I'll just do one more. So here it is, the best superhero movie ever. The Dark Knight uh, definitely uh, accomplishes all one could hope for. And then it surpasses that? it. And then it continues to surprise. The movie isn't just... Listen, man. The movie isn't just a triumph. It is that rare pop culture oddity. A masterpiece. I want to know who said this. I want to go to their house. I want to give them a copy of Christopher Reeve's Superman the movie. And then I want to kick them straight in the ass. Christopher Smith, Bangor Daily News, Maine. Fucking idiot. Obviously. I'm saying that on the record. Fucking idiot. (laughs) Well... Okay, so this is how I think the show should go. I'm going to give you first crack at this movie. Oh, since I don't you know have the you have the emotional reaction of it. So I'm just going to let you savage it from from that pure point of view. You grab the bat out of the air and just like like Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> savage it, tear it up like a pit bull or or however you do yeah. it. Do whatever. No, I'm do that gonna... voodoo you do. I'm gonna do it a little different this time. Dude, I, I'm dude. gonna I'm gonna try to keep myself on. Okay. Here here's my here's my thing. All right. I'm gonna preface this with a couple different things first. All right. My first preface is <sighs> for anybody who who's not. And, and I mean, if you're listening to this show and you're a geek or a freak or whatever you want to call yourself, 
you know, you're into sci-fi, you're into superheroes, you're into comics, whatever, and you don't know that the Comic Geek Speak show has the comic forums forums page. I don't know where you've been living, man. But anyway, they have their own forum on there, and this is pretty much where geeks go to hang out, right? So I started a thread on there because I, you know, I get tired of, of feeling all the time like, like on the outs with my with my brother geeks, you know, because it always seems like I've got the fucking minority opinion. I don't know how this comes about. It just does. I mean, even amongst my peers, I feel like sometimes I'm I'm always on the outside. So I posted a thread there with the title. Am I the only person who thought that Dark Knight sucked? And, you know, all I wanted to hear, uh, the only responses I wanted was, no, man, I'm with you, it sucked, you know? Just I, I one little fishing. me too. Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. I just, wanted, I just wanted somebody else to step forward and say, no, nope, I'm with you, man. I didn't like it either. Yeah, to tell instead, you you're not insane. Instead, I got... My my ass, you know, kicked all over this forum by people chiming in, going, "What are you fucking crazy? This is a great movie. It's the greatest movie ever, ever." You know, and shit <laughs> like that. And then you know, somebody did have a really good point. Somebody said, "You know, first they asked me what 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 is your beef specifically?" Which I didn't want to get into. You know, I knew that you and I were going to do this show. You know, and and I really I hadn't thought my thoughts out logically enough to really go in and say anything other than, well, I thought it sucked, which I know sounds really weak and really lame, but I just didn't like it. I, I just wasn't prepared to defend why I didn't like it. So I said something to the effect of, well, I don't really want to discuss that here, mostly because we're going to discuss it on my show. And as soon as I posted it, I realized I fucked up by doing that. The guy immediately seized on that and said, well, you know, well, you're just trying to fucking drum up publicity for your show. Well, no, I wasn't. I, I, I didn't mean it that way. I really did not. I honestly, I swear to God, I didn't mean it that way. I wasn't just going on and stirring shit just to drum up publicity for us. I really wasn't. I only wanted some, uh, 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 what? It, God damn it! Positive reinforcement. A reinforce exactly. I wanted. I wanted a brother geek to lay hands on me and say, "You are not alone." That's aye, all aye, I aye. was fishing for. That's all I wanted. But I can see this person had. I, I can see their point. I can yeah. absolutely see where they were coming from. So, all right. That's my first preface. My second preface is, and I want to make this absolutely clear. I am a Batman fan. I, at one time, loved Batman, you know? I have a Batman collection of comics that starts, you know, I, I really got serious about it sometime in the early 80s. This is right around the time where, um, oh, damn it, now I'm going to draw a complete blank. Pat, shit, he he did Doom 2099 and, and some Micronauts and stuff. God damn, I can't think of his name. Pat something. He's an artist. Yeah, anyway, know. he it was right around the time he he started out doing some Batman. He was he was either doing detective comics or Batman, I forget. It was right around the time he he did a a, a long run in Batman. Anyway, that collection goes solid from around whatever this this time was, right up until sometime between the first Batman 
Tim Burton movie and Batman Returns when I finally start, stopped collecting Batman on a, on a monthly basis. But also my Batman collection goes back, you know, not solidly, but pretty, pretty fucking solidly. I'm missing a few issues, but it goes back a good probably 20 years in back issues that I, I tried to pick up here, there, and everywhere because I was really into Bat. I, I, I love the character. You know, I was really solidly into it. So I don't want anybody to hear this review and go, well, this guy didn't like this movie because he just doesn't like Batman or he doesn't know Batman or I know Batman. I know my Batman. You know, I know the version of Batman that appeals to me. And that's really, that's really my beef with this movie is that, you know, Chris is going to approach this review from a filmmaker standpoint, from a technical standpoint of how does it hold up as a motion picture? I'm approaching this movie from a purely Batman perspective. Is this a Batman movie? Is it a good Batman movie? And for me personally, in my personal interpretation of, of Batman, my, my beloved characterization of Batman, my favorite persona of him this movie falls incredibly fucking short. I, I there's a lot of moments in this movie to me. This character is not Batman, and uh, and we can get more into that specifically later. Um, I didn't hate the movie when I first watched it. I walked away going, oh, "I fucking hate this movie." I, I've reevaluated. I don't hate it because there were moments that worked for me. There were a few things I really liked. Gary Oldman is a damn good commissioner. Well, uh, uh, James Gordon, you know, what, what does he start out as in this movie? A detective or whatever he is. He's, he's so. not commissioned until later on. And in the first one, he was just a, a regular cop. He plays an excellent Gordon. And he really does remind me of the Gordon from, from Frank Miller's Batman year one. I mean, he, he really nails that character. He's excellent. Other than that, and a couple other little things. I mean, I really don't have a lot positive to say about this movie. I, I thought the characterizations were way off. I think it's got way too many actors that are thrown in for their whatever they bring to motion pictures rather than what they bring to a specific character. Um, there's just way too much just shit going on that doesn't really doesn't really need to be there. It doesn't really seem to apply to the overall thing. Just, I don't know. There's just so much I didn't like. It's hard to, it's hard to focus on one thing. It's hard to pick one thing out and go, this was the deal breaker for me because it, it, it's many, it's many things that add up to just overall just didn't, there wasn't enough that I liked to outweigh all the things that made me nuts, you know? There were, there were just too many things that aggravated the piss out of me. And, uh, I mean, if you want specifics, I'll give specifics. But, I mean, really, it just came down to this was not the Batman that that I have come to, to, to enjoy. And the Batman that I really want to see, you know, in the, on the big screen. And after six attempts now, you know, there was the, the two Burton films, the two... Uh, Joel uh, Schumacher, Schumacher films, and then there's the two Nolan films. 
honestly, I, I got to say at this point, I wish they would just give the fuck up. I really do. <laughs> just stop with the live action Batman. It's obvious by now you can't make a Batman movie live action and have it be worth a shit. Just quit. Because I, I still affirm that the only true Batman movie, the only Batman movie for me that captures the character, tells an excellent story, you know, hits all the right notes for thrills, spills, chills, you know, emotional impact, everything is Batman Mask of the Phantasm, the animated movie. That is a great movie. It's not just a, you know, it's not just a great cartoon movie, animated movie. It's a great movie. I mean, they, they, they just, they, they were firing on all cylinders with that, with that movie. And I can't find flaw with it. Whereas now, opposed to this movie, I can just pick this movie, The Dark Knight. I can just pick it to pieces. Now, why aren't why aren't you um, including Batman the movie, starring Adam West and Burt oh, Ward? Jesus Christ! Don't get me started. Remember, that's a no. Batman movie, also. Ugh. Don't forget that. I I do forget that. I totally discount the the Batman TV show and the Batman. I I actually sat through that a couple years ago. I I found it somewhere and. It's better to sit through it when you're like eight years old. Yeah, exactly. Well, Scotty was real young then, my oldest boy. He was real young and really into superhero stuff. And I went out of my way to, to find whatever I could superhero stuff on, on VHS. Or I don't think we had a DVD player yet at that time. So I was going out of my way to find things that you know I had liked as a kid or you know just different superhero things and really trying to get him into superheroes, you know, and into comic book characters and stuff like that. And that was one of the things I just happened to nab somewhere along the line and got to realizing that I had either never seen it or I didn't remember having seen it. So I sat and watched it with him and it was just, oh, I couldn't believe how <laughs> just horrible it was. And I mean, I, I don't have any respect or any love for that show anyway, despite the fact that when I was a kid, like, like most of us, I think, I loved the show when I, when I was a kid. But then I got older and I realized, you know, the, the heavy, heavy damage that that show did to comic books in the long term. I mean, to me personally, I've always felt like, like that television show in the long run did more damage to comic books than, you know, a hundred Dr. Frederick Wortham's in, in yeah. his campaign because, you know, granted he damaged the industry. He ran EC out of business and all the shit that came out of that. But eventually it's taken a while, but eventually the industry, well, it's, it survived for one thing. It didn't kill the industry. It hurt it real bad, but eventually, you know, the industry rebounded. It sent it in it, different directions, too. It's, exactly. It sent it in different directions and, and things like that. Whereas the Batman TV show, the Adam West TV show, even today, you know, despite successes like the Dark Knight, all the X-Men movies, the Spider-Man movies, the Superman movies, you know, all these big successful comic book movies, some of them that have been very realistic, very dark, you know, critically acclaimed, blah, blah, blah. Still, anytime I see a comic book story, anything to do with comic books, in a mainstream, like, 
like a newspaper or on television, like on you know, like on CNN or Fox or anything like that, they've always got to start with the bam, pow, wham. You know, yep. holy, you know, headlines: Batman, Robin's been killed, or you know, holy, whatever, Batman, Captain America's dead. And that shit comes directly from that TV show. And it, and I, you know, I I really feel like. To a degree, we're we're never gonna fucking live it down, you know. It's been forty years. Uh, people still think that comic books are, you know, these goofy ass things that are like that television show. Despite successes like, you know, three hundred, or uh, or Dark Knight, or whatever, you know, whatever you want to hold up, you know, these these really successful comic book franchises or really successful comic book you know, serious comic book movies, you know, they, they still, you know, drag out all the cliches associated with that TV show. And for that reason, I I really detest that show. I I really do. Because I I think that it's just the shadow that we continue to, to live under, you know, or live in. And it just, uh, just drives me nuts. It really does. (laughs) Anyway, that's kind of off the off the yeah. topics. Give us give us your take because I know that you you took detailed notes and you're you're fully prepared to rant. So. I did. Well, I figured you'd take the bat and savage it and drop it down on the ground dead, and then using my film school talents, quote unquote, I would pick it up, pin it to a little board, get out my scalpel, and <laughs> start dissecting. Because I actually I took notes during this movie. This is the first movie since I've been in film school all those years ago that I've actually sat in a movie and t- taken notes. So, um, I, first of all, just as an overview, I sort of in my mind this movie sort of split into two parts. It's like the first, uh, say hour. It's about the first hour of it is one movie, and then the last hour and a half is sort of another movie. And the first hour is three movies at once, and it's a it's a crime drama. It's a bloody mafia, you know, crime uh, crime underworld story, story starring the Joker. It's a dramatic exposition movie with people, you know, talking about their motivations and good and evil, and stuff like that. And it's a detective story with Batman hunting the the mob banker who's in Hong Kong and tracking him down, you know, and using intrigue to, to capture him. Now out of all those, now all those three parts are sort of happening, happening, you know, at the same time, the, um, the Joker mob crime aspect of it is filmed like a episode of CSI or, um, NYPD blue or something, you know, with handheld cameras, quick editing, you know, gritty, gritty camera work, and um, it's it's very it's very much that style. Mm-hmm. Now the the um, dramatic exposition part is, you know, filmed very you know like a, a regular movie, very traditionally, and it always has. I noticed in the first hour whenever anybody was having a conversation. And it didn't even have to be a heated conversation or whatever conversation they were having. As the conversation 
pardon me, went on, they would um, slowly these strings would come up, this really florid string, dramatic music would come up underneath them that was sort of out of place, you know, it sounded almost uh, canned and plugged in, you know, it was, and uh, it would come in towards the middle of the di the dialogue and then towards as they were getting towards the end of the dialogue their dialogue would keep continuing over a cut into an establishing shot of like a building you know being a pro, you know from a helicopter so it was you know a sweeping shot of a building and the music would be swelling up over that so there was a sort of overlap of the vocals of the you know dialogue and the and the music and they did that about i counted i think at least 3 times so he was editing, you know, in a pattern, but I don't think he was editing in a pattern so much as to establish a style as he had these three movies, you know, three different styles of things going on. And, uh, but they were also, you know, they're visually different. So then he had the, and I think he had a concept for it. But I don't think maybe he really planned on how to edit it and how it would be edited together. And it's quite a problem, sort of, to edit that together and make it flow smoothly. And it doesn't really flow smoothly. And I think they, they figured, we'll do a pattern, we'll hit this story, this story, and this story, and this is how we'll, we'll transition it. So they use, you know, okay, find me a shot of this, find me a shot of this from this angle, and, do, and put it together. And it just didn't work. Out of those three parts, I thought the um, detective story part I was the most enthusiastic about. Because that's what I've been sort of waiting. Since Batman's from Detective Comics, and that's his sort of... We know what his motivation is and all that. And, yeah, you know, okay, we've got the dark storyline. But I'd like to see just a nuts and bolts Batman story where he's doing his Batman thing. He's He's got to find out who something is, what's going on. And he uses his Batmanness and his resources to figure it out because he's a detective. You know, instead of more of a vigilante, he's he's basically sort of you know the Batman of the sort of I don't I don't know what the pre-modern age of Batman. He was he was a little more dignified. You know, he would just show up. Hey, Commissioner Gordon, how are you doing? You know. Yeah. They were, they were, they were, they were buddies. Because Commissioner Gordon, he was almost another, he was basically another cop, sort of like the spirit is, is sort of the same sort of idea. You and, see uh, that? Which I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what you're saying right there plays exactly into probably the biggest reason I don't like this movie and this interpretation of Batman because it's not it's not solely out on this movie i mean there's been this move away and this move into this ever since dark knight returns by frank miller batman has become more and more and more and more this dark brooding joyless character yes and i don't want a goofy adam west batman by any stretch of the imagination but that like late 70s to like just before Dark Knight Returns era Batman where he was a vigilante he was a creature of the night but he was also kind of like I don't know how to describe it. he was he, he was struggling with it as uh, 
really so right. much. Right. He was more of just, you know... He's more. He was doing his job. He was more of a superhero. He, he was more of just a, yes. you know... He was he was a guy in a bat suit going out doing superheroish kind of things. I like I like you know like I mean he's like that on the on the animated series too. He's, well, he was also in a world where in, in in the movies in the Batman movies, I guess they don't want him to live in a world inhabited by Superman and right you know, and and Wonder Woman or anything like that. So. You know, they're they're not real. The other superheroes aren't mentioned. Are basically he's the only one. So that makes him more of a vigilante. If you have Superman and other coexisting superheroes, then the the concept of a superhero is established to everybody in the world. They know what a superhero is. So Batman's another superhero. So he's regarded just like Superman, Wonder Woman, Plastic Man, at all. Right. So, so that's one thing that makes the movies a little different is, is, is that even in the Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, Superman shows up, right? But in an more iconic sort of way. But you know, I mean, I personally, I'm not really that interested in seeing a movie with Superman and Batman in it because. Not because I don't think it would be cool, because I just don't think anybody would do it correctly. <laughs> exactly. Would do it, would do it to where it would have some sort of feel of authenticity or or be interesting in any way. I just don't have faith in that happening. And uh, so far, I have no reason to <laughs> either. Well, I mean, there's also there's there's the you know this thing that's popped up in recent years, and I and I I. I blame it firmly on Dark Knight Returns. You know, this thing where, you know, whenever the the thing is bantered about, about, you know, there being a a, a Batman-Superman movie or something like that, it's always, you know, they're talking about a fight movie. You know, it's never really so much a team-up movie or a, you know, let's have them, you know, get together, but they don't really like each other. It's always a fight. Well, I want to see a Batman versus Superman and this has become such a big deal, you know, and, and such a, a big thing. I I never want to see that. I never, ever want to see that because for some reason, Batman has mutated again from this character I enjoyed reading and I grew up reading who was really, you know, he, he was a he was a cool guy in a bat suit that had all kinds of awesome gadgets to help him fight crime to suddenly he's like the world's perfect physical you know physical specimen the perfect you know he wasn't exactly and, he wasn't exactly psychologically sound in the old comics it just wasn't dwelled upon that was his origin right. that's how he got to be but once he got to be the batman he was pretty comfortable in his sh- he wasn't questioning whether it was good for him to be a vigilante or or anything like that and i i guess that you know there's sort of a fetish for character development in movies that's right. just, you know, they tell you you need character development, and character development is good, but you don't always need it. You don't, or or you know, you don't always have to have every character have to have some sort of arc where they're going to learn something or they're going to evaluate something about their lives or be. Sh- that's that's all really icing on the cake of like a Batman movie rather than the meat and potatoes. I think if you can throw that stuff in there as an aside 
or a little shot or, you know, something that makes you, that gives you a hint as to what's going on inside. You know, there's some turmoil going on. But the thing about this movie is, my God, so much expositional dialogue that, okay, here's my perfect example. Well, I don't know if it's a perfect example, but here's my example of why... The, the there's this way too much exposition, way too much dialogue that says things that have already been illustrated, you know, in a way more visual cinematic matter. Like there's a scene with Bruce Wayne and Alfred where Bruce is like trying to figure out why the Joker, what the Joker's plan is and why he's doing it. And Alfred says, you know, there's some people who do, you know, crime for money and some people who do it for women and power and stuff, but some people are just crazy and want to see the world burn, you know, and, and just do it for just because they want to create chaos. And all right, good point. But we already know that because there's the whole scene where the Joker's on that big pile of his share of the pile of money he's got. And he slides that, you know, it's, it's very, well done in the respect of it gets its point across. He slides down the money and you know, his henchmen are pouring gas all around it and he gives his little speech and and burns it. And there you go. That that says it all right there. Well, the vo Joker's not in it for the money. <laughs> and it does it in a visual way, you know, in a in a in an uh, in a show rather than tell way and then right. At, right after that they're telling it again and it's like you don't need it you don't need it it's just like maybe alfred you know needs to have so many scenes so we'll put the scene in but it doesn't need they could have shaved 40 if 45 minutes trimmed out of this movie if that was possible that's the thing is i think if you tr trimmed 45 minutes out of this movie you wouldn't know what the hell was going on at all uh, uh, there's some there's some things uh, now here's some, one thing I've been meaning to ask you mm -hmm. now what was now as I watched the movie did I blink did I look down at the ground for like a, a 30 seconds and miss something I don't seem to recall but there's the 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 story element where that he's got Harvey Dent and Rachel tied up on separate parts of town on the barrels to explode and says you have to choose which one Batman's getting on his bike and doesn't Gordon say, where are you going? He's like to Rachel. Right. And, uh, so then Gordon starts going to the other address. Right. Now, Batman shows up where Harvey Dent is. Right. I was, told, I'm with, I'm with you. I was totally fucking lost by this. And I'm glad you say this because I actually, and I want to give credit where credit's due, and unfortunately, I can't remember what show I was listening to that talked about this. It was either the Geek Savants or Comic Geek Speak, and I'm sorry, guys, that I can't remember which one it was. One of these guys, I was listening to their review of the movie, and they were talking about this, and somebody said that what they thought happened was that the Joker pulled a fast one on Batman. He switched the switched addresses. The Knowing that Batman was going to go after the girl, so he sent him to Dent. Because he knew that which, would twist Dent. That makes yeah, sense. It makes sense. But they didn't. But you know what? If I've got to listen to a podcast to figure that out. 
Right, the movie's not it doing its job. Does, exactly, it didn't now, work. I there should have one... been a moment in there somewhere where Batman said, ah, oh, God damn it, he got me. You know, I, I, I thought I was going after the girl and, and I wound up here. You know, there was nothing like that. There was nothing I to think let you the know, line the he could have said was, it wasn't supposed to be you, you know, when Harvey right, Dent's yeah, going, exactly. oh, he was like, uh, <clears throat> it wasn't right. supposed to be you. And that would have, and that would have explained it all, you know, but yeah, I, I was sitting there going, did I miss something? I did, did I, was same. I not paying attention or something? Because, and the, and you know, it, it was edited in sort of a tricky way to make you think, you know, you didn't really, it was edited in such a way that you really didn't know what was going on. And I thought they were doing that for a reason. I thought it was going to lead to somewhere, but it didn't. It just led to confusion and me going, well, that's stupid because, you know, it's a no-brainer if you have to guess which one to go to. You go for the girl because Batman likes a girl, and also that's what Harvey Dent would want you to do. Well, that's if what a Harvey hero Dent would... was. If yeah, exactly, Harvey Dent, and and he did. He was he wanted Batman to go save her. You know, that's. But I mean, you know, first and foremost, above being a vigilante, above being everything that he is, he's supposed to be a hero, right? You know, which I have serious issues with a lot of things he does in this movie. I don't think are particularly heroic. You know, well, that was yeah. That's part but, of the point of you know, it. Yeah. But one of the one of the things a hero does is, you know, presented with that choice between, you know, the girl and something else, you know, or the woman. You know, it, it's like it's like, uh, you know, it'd be the same thing if it was a baby on one building. And and Harvey Dent, he'd go after the baby. You know, it's right. the women and children first thing. It's you know, it's chivalrous. It's it's heroic. <laughs> That's what he's supposed to do. That's what everybody will, everybody would want him to do. From Harvey Harvey Dent would want him to go save her too, because it was his fiance. So, you know, yeah. So yeah, I I'll, I'll agree with that. That it's got to be Joker pulling a fast one. Maybe if I cared to read the novelization, which I really don't. You, that might it might be explained more in there. But see yeah. that also that that plays into one of my major complaints. And thankfully, I actually have heard this complaint from people. Even the people that loved the movie, I've heard this complaint. Was I thought I misunderstood? Maybe I you know after this whole scene played out, I thought maybe I misunderstood Batman. Maybe he had said, you know, you go after Rachel. That's what I, I thought too. I had a lot of trouble understanding what the hell he was saying in this movie because hey, um, he kept saying, "Yeah." Let's 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 get back to that because I got something to say about that too on the oh on the voice the, thing on 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 the voice and the the mix okay. of the dialogue and everything. Okay. But uh, let's do that when we come back from this break. All right. Because I have a special little song that I want to play in in between here. <laughs> And you know, I think you know which one I'm talking about now. No, I have no idea what song you're talking about. Oh, well, just in, just to introduce it uh, coming up, it, the, I'll just say this. It was actually written by Frank Zappa, but not performed by him. It was, uh, it was a commissioned piece of work before Frank Zappa was famous when he had a recording studio that would do commissioned music and things for people God. who needed an audio recording. Somebody hired yeah. him to make to make this next song and I think it'll be just a nice little a nice little uh divider between 
this, <laughs> this segment in the next. Boy, opportunity to catch up on my fan mail. Even as a boy wonder, it's really hard to read all the tons of mail I get. Here is a happy letter from someone just about your age. Dear, cute, wonderful, fabulous, magnificent, exquisite boy wonder, a cold chill runs up my spine every time I see you sock a villain. And oh, how I cry when you're even scratch. Please don't send me a mimeograph copy of interesting facts about you. I want your handwriting. I have a whole wall of my room dedicated to you. Oh boy, wonder. I'm making a gum wrapper chain to symbolize my love for you. It's going to be as long as I am tall. And I'm five foot ten inches in stocking feet. Please, boy wonder, please come next Saturday and sleep for a week or two. I will feed you breakfast in bed. I will make your bed for you. And I like you so much that I want you to spend the whole summer with me. I hope you know this is a girl writing. back and I hope you enjoyed that um, for what it's worth um, I, I guess I was starting to make my point about the dialogue and the the sound mix in general and I've had a couple other people sort of back me up on this is the sound mix was kind of if not muddy the sound effects and music often would drown out like whole parts of dialogue Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happens if there's like some bat virus on his outfit or something, but he gets like laryngitis or like starts channeling Clint Eastwood when he's talking. Maybe he's trying extra hard to disguise his voice because just about everybody he interacts with also knows Bruce Wayne. So he's got to like really change his voice to, to well, keep people I, I, from recognizing him. I think he's supposed to be intimidating and scary and it only scared me from the aspect of I would never want to be the guy he had on the edge of the building dangling threatening him to dropping because I'm slightly hard of hearing and not being able to understand what the fuck he was saying through the whole movie I'm sure he would just like drop me eventually so you know god forbid if you're a hard of hearing villain in that Gotham City cuz Batman's going to beat the piss out of you you know I mean literally there were there were a lot of moments in that movie he would do his whole and I was like what you know I really needed subtitles for Batman in this movie I could not understand what the hell he was saying I'm sure. And I mean, I'm I, sure there's some bootlegs out there with like Korean subtitles across the bottom <laughs> or something, you know. But you know, I mean, granted, I'm spoiled. You know, I'm a huge fan 
of Batman the Animated Series and Justice League, and Kevin Conroy knocked it out of the park as as Batman. You know, granted, he's, he's just the voice actor, but he's a damn good... I mean, for a lot of people, he's their Batman. You know, he's he's definitely my Batman, and you know, and, and he nailed the voice of Batman. When I read Batman in the comics now, he's the voice I hear in my head. So maybe that's unfair to apply that to this movie, but I had I know I'm not the only one. I've seen this all over the place on the net and and TV and everything that. That if if people do have one bitch with this movie, that's the bitch. Is is Christian? That's his name, right? Christian Bale. Yeah. That that's their complaint with this movie is that he's got that goofy growl and it's way over the top. And it was. Yeah. It was so over the top I couldn't understand. It's like an exaggeration of Michael Keaton's version mixed mm-hmm. with Clint Eastwood. You know, mixed with me after I've been, like, outside, like, trying to scream over a band or something for six hours, and I come home with laryngitis. (laughs) Well, it really annoyed me because he did that in the first movie. He did that in Batman Begins. One time that I can recall is the time where he he ziplines – I think he's a cop. I can't remember. I've only seen that movie twice. But he ziplines somebody up a fire escape. I think it's a dirty cop. It's a big fat guy and he's threatening to drop it. And he says something about the guy says, I swear to God or something. And Batman goes, swear to me. And I, I laughed when I, I was like, <laughs> oh. I mean, I literally, when I saw it, I laughed. I thought, I'd be like, what? okay, fuck what you. Is what is that goofy voice? You know? So I thought it was a fluke. And then they, they use that voice through this whole movie. And I mean, he just came off as laughable and, See that was uh, that was another one of my big problems with this movie is there's a lot of parts in this movie where they're going for the the deadly serious and I just thought it came off as way corny, you know. Yep. The whole end of this movie where where Gordon is standing there and he's doing his little monologue. Now as much as I I I loved the guy who who did Gordon and I thought he nailed the character it wasn't his fault. He was just given really shitty, corny dialogue in that closing part where he's standing there and it's doing it's doing uh, quick cuts of Batman on the run. And then it keeps going back to Gordon and he's talking to his little boy and he says something about, because well, we have to chase him. And yeah. he's, he's our hero and he's the Dark Knight. And that's how it ends. And, it, it, and, and I was just like, oh, you got to be God. kidding me. Yeah, exactly. exactly. God, that's fucking cheesy. You know, that was the that was the only thing I could think of was, you know, through this whole thing, they were trying to show you how edgy and how intense and how violent and how serious they could be. And then they end it on total cheese. And I was like, oh, my, you can't have it both ways. You know, you're either the godfather or, you know, you're dumb and dumber. You can't be both in the same movie. You know? Oh, I would love to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I feel like I keep jumping in over top of you. Did Did you have more? No, that's it. I would just love to see like a movie that was half Dumb and Dumber and half The Godfather. <laughs> well, I'll, we'll have to work. Uh, maybe on I that. just did. I don't know. <laughs> well, I got to thinking, and and you and I were talking at the break, and I got to thinking that I really went off 
in the beginning when, when you handed me the ball with this and said, okay, run with it. And I got to realizing that I shot my mouth off for like 20 minutes and I still really never said anything specific other than, well, this isn't my Batman, which doesn't really, it's not a reason not to like the movie. So I really applied myself and I tried to come up with specifics. What the hell didn't I like? What put me off this movie? So here we go. For better or for worse, here here are my bullet points of the things that just the reasons I didn't. And, and granted, a lot of this applies to both movies because I I really didn't like the first movie. I, I actually like the the first movie less than I. I actually like this one just slightly more than I like the first. I thought Batman Begins was a horrible movie. Everybody loved it. Everybody I know loved that movie, and I thought it was just god awful, fucking horrible. That one I did hate. This one I don't hate. I just really dislike it. The first one, hated it. So anyway, all right, my first point applies to both movies. The bat suit. What is this goofy suit he's wearing? Now, granted, the the one in the Burton Batman movie wasn't extremely faithful to the comics, but he did look like Batman. You know, the colors were different. It was, you know, the whole black leather thing. But he still, you knew who he was. He looked like Batman. You know, he had the tall ears. He had the, you know, the yellow circle. He had the gadgets and the gizmos and the demeanor. He was Batman. As much as I don't like any live action Batman movie, especially the first Burton Batman at least he looked and acted like Batman. In this one, you know, he's he's armored. And, God, this is going to sound so nitpicky and so geeky. But the headpiece sucks. He's got a fat head. I mean, am I the only one that noticed that his head's... It's like a fucking bowling ball with bat ears. He's it's got a fat head. Because somebody it, figured out from an engineering point of view that maybe that was a more stable structure. like. But it looks ridiculous. I mean, you yeah. look at a picture of Batman in the comic books, and it's sleek. It's almost like his head is square. You know, he's got like a Frankenstein head, you know, with, with ears coming off of it. And I know it's nitpicky to, to even mention the ears, but the ears are too short on this version of Batman, but regardless of the ears, it's really, it's, it's the head. It's, it's too round. It's like the ears, the, the, you know, like the temple part of his head is really big and round. And he's just got like a big fat cranium, you know? And I don't know it, it the guy's head doesn't look that big. So it's gotta be the headpiece. For some reason they gave him like, like bat ears on the side of his head. Like a real bat has those big ears on the side of their head. And that's like what the mask looks like. But it looks ridiculous. Because it's it's bulging on the sides of his head. You know? Instead of having the bat ears coming up. Like every other version of Batman we've ever seen. You know? Has, has pointy ears at the top. Whether they're long or whether they're short. They're pointed at the top. Well, this one, it's more like he's got like token pointy ears, but really he's more got these bulging things on the sides of it. I don't, he just looks stupid. I, I really hate it. And I really thought that they would address that in this movie because I know I'm not the only one that didn't like the bat suit in the first movie. 
And then also going along with the bat suit in this movie, you know, there's the part where, where Lucius gives him the, the gauntlets that fire out. Now I could understand if they were like, like, uh, you know, like police use rubber bullets for like crowd control and stuff like that. I can understand like if he had those gauntlets and they shot the spikes out and they were, you know, they were like, uh, Sand, you know, what do they call those? Not sandbags, but what, you know, what are those guns they shoot people with to knock them out? The beanbag yep. gun? Yep. You know, if they were like beanbags or if they were made of hard rubber or something. The things are like fucking spikes, man. I mean, if you got hit with that, it would kill you, right? I mean, you know the part of the movie I'm talking about? Yeah, and you know, I never even thought about that. I mean, maybe they're made for him to shoot into an engine block and stop a car or something, but yeah, you would take somebody's head, they would just yeah. like. I mean, yeah, that they, scene, they, they got stuck in like concrete, didn't they? They shot yeah, off it in mean, the concrete. If he had accidentally shot himself or Lucius in that scene, they'd have been paced. I mean, they would have been dead because those things shoot out like bullets and stick into whatever the that wall was, concrete or whatever it was. So, I mean, if he actually used that, how it sounds like Lucius is telling him this is a weapon, he'd kill somebody. And I'm all right. I'm not entirely opposed to Batman killing. You know, I have read at least one comic written by, I want to say it was written by Max Allen Collins. I, I'm not sure where, where it is acknowledged that at some point in his career, Batman did have to kill somebody, which is not, no, it's not really the norm for the character. The character is pretty much a Superman kind of guy when it comes to, he's got a code against killing kind of thing. He's more of a, you know, he's more of a traditional superhero in that respect. You know, he, he's more like a Spider-Man. You know, he goes out, he webs him up, he leaves him for the police kind of thing. When it comes to Batman, I don't want him to be the Punisher, but I would think if he was in a life or death situation or he was in a situation where he had to kill to prevent a death or something, he would do it. He'd feel like shit, but he would do it if he, if he was forced into the situation. I agree. But in this, it's like he doesn't really seem to have much of a compunction about killing somebody. You know, if he's employing bullet spikes and then at the end of the movie, he shoves, uh, uh, Harvey off a building, you know, and there's the part where he's throwing all the cops off the building. Now granted they're all tethered, but you know, I mean, that's pretty unreliable. I mean, there's no guarantee that he's not going to throw somebody right. off and it's going to, you know, Something's going to go wrong, and they're going to plummet to their death. Well, even if he even if he just breaks their legs or pulls their legs out of the socket, that's pretty uh, pretty yeah. cruel to do to like cops just doing their job. There's a lot of moments in this movie where Batman seems to have a pretty reckless disregard, oh, yeah. both public safety and public property. And one the the biggest scene that almost made me just walk away from this movie was the scene where he he breaks out his little pod thing from the tank that he drives and it's not a batmobile it is a fucking tank which that uh -huh. don't even get me started about the batmobile I, I cannot believe they've still got the same stupid batmobile from the first movie but he breaks out this this pod car thing and starts zipping down the streets and he's blowing shit up left and right that's in his way and, and then why he don't you 
He's going under like this this elevated track, like an L train thing. Like I mean, it's obviously Chicago in these parts of the movie. Well, I'm thinking this might be a tribute to the Blues Brothers. <laughs> well, I mean, he's literally he blows up all these cars to get them. I, I presume to just get them out of his way. Yes. Right. Now, how does he know there's not a, a you know a sleeping baby in the back of one yep. of these cars? That there's not somebody. At least you know, in, in, in the A team, after they like filled the car full of bullets, people would like climb out and be like, "Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay." Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, they do that in uh, in Superman too. You know, when the when the army guys go through the billboard, the very next scene is them climbing, and they should be dead, but it shows right. them climbing out, and you know, the guy, "Are you all right, buddy?" You know, yeah. And, and cartoons do that too. You know, if if and a lot of the episodes of, of the Batman and, so and different you know that your character hasn't just creamed yeah. somebody to death. I mean, there's, yeah. there's an episode of one of the Batman cartoons where he throws people out of a fucking plane and they would be dead. And then it's, you know, the next scene is them floating in the ocean. Oh, they're okay. And you know, you and I as adults realize they'd be fucking paced, but yeah. for the kids, they're, they're showing the kids. Oh, look, kids, they're okay. He, Batman didn't really kill anybody. Yeah. This doesn't give you any of that. This, to me, was was presenting it as Batman just has no regard whatsoever. You know, he's driving along. He's blowing shit up. I mean, is, are you not supposed to – I mean, this is supposed to be a thinking man's movie. It's a detective movie. It's a crime noir. So you're supposed to have your brain engaged. Well, am I supposed to turn my brain off during this part and not think about the fact that, you know – Somebody might be sitting idling, waiting for their wife to come out of the grocery store, and Batman comes along and just blows him the fuck up because he's in a hurry. I mean, he's not Superman. He can't x-ray vision the car ahead of time and make sure there's exactly. not somebody in it. He just blows him the fuck up and drives, and that just ah, it just irritated the fuck out of me. Batman wouldn't do that. You know, he does. He he cares about. The, yes, he's on a mission of vengeance for his parents. But also, I've always had the impression that, yeah, he's out there avenging, and yes, he's out there, but really he's out there, you know, serving the public. You know, he, he's trying to keep Gotham – he's trying to protect people so that what happened to him as a kid never happens to anybody else. So he wouldn't go out and endanger people. He wouldn't go out and blow shit up, you know? He just – that's not his character. That that drove me nuts. That was probably the biggest thing in the movie beyond the things that were carried over from the first movie that I didn't like, like the voice and the outfit. That was the biggest thing in this movie that really just oh, just fucking set me off. You know, the, the just blowing shit up for the sake of blowing shit up. That's not Batman. Well, it's just not. Here's here's another. This is one of my emotional points of view. Is Billy D. Williams got screwed again. <laughs> screwed again man he gets to play the most under like underappreciated star wars character that, and he's like sort of a, a a token until the the next the the first three you know the one through three and didn't he play harvey dent like in the first batman movie sure so did. yeah was he, he sure supposed did. to be two-face yep where's billy d i want billy d Although the guy who played Two Face was good, he looked he looked the part, especially when he became Two Face. He looked, yeah, he was pretty the cool. Part. He was a little he, too idealistic for this movie, which is supposed to be cynical. His character was just way t- 
too idealistic in such a simple world. I got to just, I I actually, I didn't have a problem. I actually liked that because that is very much in character for for that character. I liked that. My my problem with it was that it was, you know, and and you know, it's funny. I've heard it. I've heard people bitch and complain and rag on and and just totally pick apart Spider-Man three because it had too many villains. You know, they bitch about the fact that nobody got good time. Right. You know, it was a convoluted plot and, you know, the characters weren't fleshed out and there, you know, there wasn't enough of Sandman. There wasn't enough of Venom. You know, it didn't work too many villains, blah, blah, blah. And nobody says that about this movie. You know, the Joker hogs the whole fucking movie. That's a major beef of mine. To, I, I, you know, the I Joker's tried... the most interesting character in the movie. I would have put him in the forefront, too, if I was making uh, this movie. Because yes. he's the most interesting thing going on in the whole movie. So, you know. That's true. But, you know, I tried so hard to go into this movie with an open mind. But I did go in already predisposed to be a little bit put off just by the fact of it was another fucking Joker movie. You know, we had the Joker in the first, you know, Jack Nicholson, you know, was Joker in the in the first one. Bit long in the tooth at that point yeah. to be the Joker. You know, and then, you know, in the in in Mask of the Phantasm, the Joker's the you know, one of the major bad guys in that. In the granted it wasn't theatrical, but in the big Batman Beyond movie, uh, Return of the Joker, obviously the Joker. He's in a shitload of the animated shows. You know, he, he was in quite a bit of Justice League. You know, he's he's all over the comics. He was in the whole Hush storyline that everybody touts as being, you know, the greatest modern Batman story, blah, blah, blah. He was in Dark Knight Returns. He's all over, you know, he's in Arkham Asylum. He's all over the place in every Batman media and yeah. then we get to the second movie of a new franchise. And, you know, there are tons and tons of untapped Bat villains that we've never seen, you know, or that we rarely see. And some really good ones, you know. And what do they do? They drag out the fucking Joker again. And it's like, Jesus Christ, you know, it's it's like the Superman movies. You know, there have been five Superman movies four of which featured Lex Luthor. It's like, what the, you know, Jesus Christ, can he fight somebody else? You know, he does have other villains. And that was really, that, you know, that I went into this movie with, you know, so I don't fault the movie. And that's not a slam on the guy, Heath, you know, I did think he did a good job. I didn't like the scripted Joker, but I thought he did well with what he was given. I, the, but the Joker in this drove me nuts. I didn't like the fact that it was just a dude in makeup. That really irritated me. The Joker has a cool origin, one of the cooler um, comic book origins, you know, villain origins. And I don't know why they have been, other than maybe they just didn't want the comparison to the first Burton movies. Maybe think, that's the only thing I can think I of. I think and they, they wanted to make him like an elemental... More mysterious because remember they're like we have no fingerprints on him nothing he's just sitting there because you could tell he knows that they're not going to find anything on him they're not going to be able to trace him and get a name to him you know and I think they wanted to leave it at that I think they wanted to leave him my my take on the Joker this is Heath Ledger Oscar nod whatever he had a lot of fun playing the part 
He had it was like one quarter Joker, one quarter a lizard, one quarter Hannibal Lecter, and one quarter Kevin Spacey's character from Seven. You yeah, know, there, there's a, the scene where he first like confronts Gordon is straight out of Silence of the Lambs, you know, yep. where he's that's where he becomes Hannibal Lecter and starts working on people's minds, and he's sort of he's sort of this like Hannibal Lecter, he's sort of someone who takes people and like leads them down a dark path, and also kills, has a philosophy, but it involves lots of horrible killing and random violence so i mean he was fun to watch and fun to uh, not i wouldn't say fun but he was he was good he had a meaty character and you know it was he was he was um threatening as he should should you know he was dark and threatening enough to to hold all the crime families at bay and he was convincing as that my major beef with the Joker, and they and they don't really like. He may be a guy with makeup. He might have because he keeps referring to the. You want to know how I got the scars on my face and all that. And to me, for I I think that dialogue was written. I think at that when he was saying all that, you know, my father said to me, "Why so serious?" I think that was all supposed to be bullshit. I think he was mm-hmm. just bullshitting. I think he was oh, just yeah. making a little speech to to screw with people. And it, but you know, there's sort of you know he's referring to his scars. You don't you can't really tell if it's just a ton of makeup, or he's got some scars on his face. But he's not you know a bleached white. And they there were a couple scenes where he was releasing gas, like where he stuck in the very beginning where he stuck the gas canister in the guy's mouth, but. <laughs> You'd think in a dark movie like this, I was like, "Oh, you're gonna see the people in their Joker death rictus, you know?" Where yeah, I really wanted to see that. Yeah, where they're, where they're Mr. Sardonicus with their teeth, you know, with their mouth pulled up into a death smile grimace, and it never happened. They show him releasing the. I mean, there's really, you know, I mean. You, you, there's really no reason not to do that. That's what you're sort of assuming is going to happen, and it would have been a it would have been a really dark touch. To, it would have gone right along with the whole theme of the movie. My big complaint with the Joker was, in not one scene was he actually funny. Yeah, I want him to actually make me laugh sometimes, and that'll make you you feel sort of like, hey, what the hell am I laughing at that for? But, you know. You know, I mean, at least Jack Nicholson had a had a. He was Jack Nicholson. He put a, he 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 put a light touch to it, which would have been even more jarring if the, if the Joker could, put you know, put a put a joke in there that works, but you know his humor is so dark that it's not even you know it's in Quentin Tarantino land where you know he plays hide the pencil where he's like oh let's play hide the pencil and buries it in that guy's head. You know what's so funny is we sat down to do this show just totally off the cuff, just, you know, independent of one another. You, you, I haven't seen your notes. You haven't seen mine. And you just, like, totally led into, like, my biggest beef, my biggest point. And, and you nailed it. It's, there, it's not just the Joker, man. There's no fun in this movie. No, no, not one and bit of fun for anyone. That, that, was, my, that was my number one complaint with Batman Begins 
And it's 10 times worse with this one because this movie's 10 times dirtier, grimier, darker, more, more foreboding. You know, the whole, you know, the whole darkness thing is that, again, I've got to stress, I don't want Adam West's Batman. But, you know, I mean, you like Batman, right? Yeah. I mean, do you agree that Batman is cool, right? I mean, the Batman we grew up with in the comics and, and different medium, I mean, for me, first and foremost, yes, he's dark and brooding and his parents were murdered and he's got that whole dark aspect, but ultimately, I think the reason kids like Batman is Batman is cool. You know, I mean, he's a millionaire. He drives an awesome car. He flies a bat plane. He drives a bat boat. He's got a bat cycle. Right, he's he got a bat around. cave. Yeah, he's got a cave, man. He lives in a cave with a giant computer and, you know, all kinds of awesome toys and gadgets. And, you know, just he's cool. He wears a belt that's got gas bombs and batarangs. And he's cool. There was no cool in this movie. There was no fun. There was no... Yeah, it's got action out the ass, but does it have any moments where you go, oh, that's cool. I never once in this movie or the the previous movie said, oh, that's cool. It was more like, eh, you know? He's driving a a tank, okay? Something actually funny would have been nice. That's what I... Yeah. Something so, a good a, a good laugh that doesn't have to be like an insert joke here, but just something, just just something to lighten it up at some point or to put some sort of like it's good to be alive <laughs> into it. I can sum up the my my. I mean, if if I had to get like one of those blurbs that gets put on like the 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 DVD case, you know, they always have something like you know. Excellent movie, you know, Joel Siegel of, you know, W blah, 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 you know, says, if I could have one word to put on there and my name under it, it would be joyless. That's, that's my summation. Joyless. There's, there's no fun. There's no, I'm just not entertained. I, you know, it's really, it's, it, it works so hard to be dark and creepy and sinister and all these negative things that they they forgot to make a fun movie. It, it's like they looked at the Burton and the and the Shoemaker movies, Schumacher, whatever his name is, and they they looked at everything that didn't work with those movies, and they swung the pendulum so far the other way yep. that you've gone from one extreme to the other. You've gone from super goofy, but almost there, to super dark and almost there and you know and each each extreme misses the mark you know well here's here's why i think they've done so well with that formula though and this is why i think it's gotten the huge critical success that it has is because this movie isn't like a superhero movie and it isn't like a comic book movie it's got you know it's batman but he films it close to the bone of a crime, gritty, realistic crime drama, mm-hmm. or a mafia story, or you know, it's 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 one it's one fuck away from an R. If someone dropped an F bomb or said shit twice more in this movie, it would be rated R because it's violent. 
the hide the pencil scene, I was I was just like, whoa! I I if I had if I had kids, I I you know I'm not, I wouldn't be much of a censor if I had kids, but I wouldn't want them to see that because I remember if I was like seven, eight, nine, ten, you can't take a seven, eight, nine, ten year old to this movie. You, play you can't. My- It'll horrify them. It'll horrify them. You, and I uh, read into my notes so well. I, I'm, I'm going to get back to that, but go go ahead. Um, let's see where where was I going with this? Um, but anyway, it, it, and it's gritty, realistic, hard, you know, hard world approach to it. We're going to keep this close to reality and not comic booky. It makes it possible for the reviewers to give it a good review, because all of a sudden. It's not as fantastic as other comic book movies. So if they if they say this is a really good movie, they don't they won't sound like a nerd or they won't sound like a comic book fan or something. They can say, "Oh, well this look, this is like The Godfather in its complexity, which uh, this movie is not it's messy." But it's not that complex. The psychology is pure comic book psychology still. And so which doesn't really fit into the real world. So it's kind of a it's it's it was way more shallow than I expected it to be. And uh but uh the the critics people can uh, uh, Joe Average can admit to really liking this movie without someone going, Ah, you're a comic book nerd or whatever. It's uh, it's and and the, how do you the, feel about that? Oh, it's it's just pathetic. And, I mean, does and it insult cri- you? Yes, but almost yeah. everything in the world is insulting me constantly. So I've grown used. <laughs> I've grown my hard M M&M and M candy shell to protect me from that. Yeah, uh, but you know, I'm used to being insulted. But it's just like, uh, but at, at the same token, reviewers are just reviewers, you know. But when it gets huge reviews, you start getting news stories about what good reviews it's getting, and and you get news. So it's just sort of, and I think a lot of these um, reviewers are like, "This is the kind of comic book movie I want to see." And I have nothing against seeing a, a, a comic book movie done in a realistic manner or being. I I don't mind things getting molded differently for the screen or having a director's take on it or whatever. But I just don't think this movie was well done. I don't. I think he's a good director, and I think he had a lot of trouble taking everything that he put, every element that he put in it, and have it together. Which is a common problem in movies like this, where mm-hmm. you're trying Spider Man Three too, where you have all these elements and you're trying to keep them all going. And it's like you don't need that many elements in a superhero movie. It can be pretty simple, and if you pull it off right. It's great, and it'll be actually be greater for its elemental simplicity. And this one, but it it allows the critics to also think that they're in, you know they're encouraging, and this is definitely going to encourage more of the same, <laughs> and and copycats, and you know people being like, ah, we'll do you know we'll do Plastic Man, but we'll do it as if it was a real guy, and you know, and the turmoil in his life that being Plastic Man causes and P Diddy'll do a a remix of the Plastic Man theme and uh <laughs> that'll play over the ending credits 
you know, it's it's gonna happen because this movie is on its way to like making more money than anything else in the world than you know Exxon Corporation at this point. So you you brought up something that okay, I'm I'm torn because I don't want to be a hypocrite. You know, I, I I like the fact whether I like this movie or not. I like the fact that comic books. And comic book movies and comic book characters are finally starting to get their due. They're starting to get respect. I mean, the biggest movies of this year, you know, over the past couple of years, have been, you know, comic book movies. You know, you had your Spider-Man, your X-Men, you know, 300 and Sin City and all these movies that are coming out. I, I like that. Oh yeah, yeah, all those. And you know, I like that. And something that really just occurred to me tonight while we were talking, one of the things that that bugs me about this movie and I guess I realized it on a subconscious level but never really stopped to think about it. You know, you you talked about the thing about not being able, to, you know, I saw this movie because of my oldest son. Now my oldest son um I found out, wanted to go see this. You know, I didn't know. He was talking to someone, and I overheard him, and I said, what movie were you talking about? And he said, oh, that, that new Batman movie. And I said, you want to see that? Because I didn't know he had any interest, because we watched the first one together, and I didn't think he liked it any more than I did. And he said, oh, yeah, I really want to go see that. And I said, well, you never told me. So I told my wife, you know, that the kids were headed back to school, and, you know, he had a few more days before he had to go back to school. So I was going to surprise him. I was going to go take him to go see it. So I told my wife, I said, I'm going to surprise Scotty. I'm going to take him to go see Dark Knight. She's like, no, I don't want you to take him to see that. She goes, everybody at work's been talking about it, and, and it doesn't sound like it's for kids. So I said, I'll all right, I'll tell you what. I'll check it out, and I'll see, you know, what it's all about. And, and if, if I think it's all right, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll take him. So I watched it. And I'm just going to go ahead and admit it. I downloaded it, you know. I downloaded it, and I'm not ashamed to say that now just because I, I think it was just a, a god-awful movie. So, did, you know? so you, did then, you did not end up taking him to see the movie? No, I did, I did not, not take him because this was not a movie for a child, you know. Which, granted, everybody said that, and it was rated PG-13. And like right. you said, I mean, it's literally, it is one fuck away from an R, you know. I'm no prude. I remember being taken to see like the Road Warrior and shit when yeah. we were what ten years old or Ra whatever. Rated R. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not a prude when it comes to stuff. I've let him watch the Die Hard movies, you know, with me. I've let him watch some things that are out of his age group, but if I felt like he could handle it, or you know, it wasn't beyond a certain limit, I let him watch it. This movie is way the fuck beyond a limit, you know, when it comes to kids. I, I think a 12 or 13-year-old isn't going to be traumatized by it. Not traumatized, but, but there's not just stuff get in much there. Of a, yeah, they're not going to get much of a good message out of it. Yeah, there's and, just stuff there I don't want him to see, I don't want in his in his head. And, and really, it was more a matter of... Honestly, I don't think he's going to get anything out of it. I, I, you know, I would be more afraid that he, I would actually be afraid if he watched it and said, wow, that was really good. Because I'd be like, I just totally don't relate to my own child. If, if he's going to walk away from this movie <laughs> saying, wow, this is really good. Then I just real I would realize uh, that's that I, gonna happen anyway. <laughs> I, I, I know, but 
But anyway, that was a very circuitous uh, way of getting to my point, which or my question, I guess, is I'm not sure how I feel about the fact that this is a Batman movie that is not for kids. I, I really... I haven't made my mind up entirely, and I guess I'm kind of playing devil's advocate with you. How, how do you feel about What do you think about that? Well, I don't really necessarily have a problem with it because eventually the kids, will be, if they want to see it, they'll be able to see it. And it doesn't matter. They'll see it anyway because it's going to be on HBO or whatever soon enough. But... The fact that it's not for kids doesn't really bother me, but it's not. I just don't think it's really that good for adults either. <laughs> As an adult, I didn't really enjoy it either. And it I, certainly I didn't bring out the kid. It didn't bring out the kid in me watching it, but it wasn't meant to. Well, and let me ask it a different way. I, all right, I, I don't necessarily. This question doesn't necessarily apply to this movie. I guess what I'm saying is, how how do you feel about there being a Batman movie or Batman movies, plural, that aren't for kids, that aren't children, you know, that aren't kid accessible. I, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing. I'm not opposed to it because I don't mind having things that are for adults or whatever. I think it's kind of a cruel joke on the kids because they're gonna want to see it. Exactly. And, and and I think it's also kind of it's kind of a pain in the ass because, A, a lot of parents don't really pay... Even if it was rated R, they'd probably take their kids to it because even if it said rated R, they'd be like, ah, it's a Batman movie. Exactly. You know, how how how, how violent could it get? And it gets really dark. He kills a The Joker kills a lot of people and he kills a few people close up really... Really, not there's not a lot of blood or gore per se, but it's sadistic. Sadistic. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of sadism in this movie. There's a lot of just evil for the sake of evil, and it's and it's very and it's not the muahaha. It is crazy evil, but it's truly, you know, he's truly crazy and dark. And uh, you know, I have I would have more of a problem with there being a Superman movie that wasn't made for kids. I well, think, I was just thinking you know, about actually while you were I, talking. I was just thinking Batman that makes more sense as an adult movie. There actually is. There was uh, the uh, the direct to DVD movie um, Superman Doomsday, which is uh, they call it an adaption. It's really just like a, a like a reimagining of, of the death of Superman. I mean, that movie's rated PG thirteen, and. I mean, it's pretty deservedly so. I I watched it with my kids because they, you know, they had watched Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and all those shows with me, and it was a little bloodier, but it wasn't really any more violent than Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. But it's not. I mean, if if you had never seen that and you suddenly wa- sat down with your kid to watch this particular Superman movie, I think they would be shocked. I think you'd be shocked. You know what I mean? As as a I parent, have to see it now. like young kid, but uh, it's it's not very good. Well, but uh, but my I guess my point was, see, I I'm, I haven't entirely made up my mind, but I think I am as as a parent. I think I'm leaning, and as a Batman fan, I think I do tend to lean toward the idea that it's not 
a very good <coughs> idea to Pardon. take. You know, when it comes to DC, you know, there are three, in my opinion, there are three core characters, the three characters that make, you know, that that are the pillars of their empire are Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And I think to make any of the three of them inaccessible to kids, you know, when it comes to like a major... Like Superman Doomsday, you know, that was a one-off thing. It was a direct-to-DVD movie. It wasn't It wasn't like the big deal. If it had been like, say, Superman Returns or comes out and it's, you know, it's not a kid's movie. You know, it's something that, you, you know, you're pretty much warned away. Don't bring your kids to this movie. I think that would be a huge misstep for, for DC and for Warner Brothers. But, you know, Batman is just as much identified with, you know, the outside world. I, you know, comic book people are, you know, they realize that there's stuff out there like Dark Knight, Batman Year One, this darker Batman stuff that is adult-oriented, it's not for kids, you know, all that. But your average Joe Blow on the street, you know, they hear Batman and they're thinking Adam West, right? So, I think it's very dangerous, very slippery slope territory to get into when you release a major movie, a Batman movie, and it's really not for kids. And then what's even worse is, I mean, go to Walmart, man. There's T-shirts and action figures and juice boxes and lunch boxes and all the backpacks and all this shit with Batman, the Dark Knight version Batman, all over this stuff, all aimed at the kids. Yet this movie is clearly not for you. So what the fuck kind of mixed message is that sending? You know? Hey, kids, there's a new Batman movie out. There's yep. all these cool action figures. So you know the kids are going to be dying to see it. The, the parents are going to take them, and then they're going to be all pissed off because little Johnny saw somebody getting a pencil in the eye. You I know? have an idea. What's Let's that? write a script for our Dark Knight version, but we'll, it's a reimagining of Barney the Purple Dinosaur. <laughs> set in a gritty realistic scene you know we'll make sure it's rated PG 13 R and you know he's gonna he, you know he's gonna gobble some kids I was just gonna say as long as he gets to eat some kids so on that note let's go let's hit a break and then we'll come back and we'll hit the rest of our points of what we don't like and maybe I'll even mention a couple things that I do like about the movie okay a couple what a novel idea <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. The opinions expressed in Two True Freaks are solely the opinion of the Two True Freaks, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell, and have nothing to do with the opinions, possibly, but maybe, but most likely not, of the Demonzo Corp of Milan, Italy. All right, we're back, and... uh I think we both had a few more uh, points of of uh, since since people want to know why we didn't like the movie. We've got a few more points to go on. Here's one that um, I thought Alfred was too pro Batman. I thought Alfred was like seem between the last movie and this movie, 
and and also during this movie he would alternate between being you know Bruce Master Bruce you've got to like have a right you know some sort of life outside the Batman to you know giving whenever Bruce was doubting the Batman stuff Alfred would be like no people need you you have to be the Batman you have to do the right thing and that seemed to break the Alfred character a little bit that didn't seem to and I also thought when uh, after Rachel died that that Bruce really wasn't affected too much you know there were even a couple he had a little couple flippant lines that he said that like I mean really that should have really tortured him because that was his that was basically when she died that was his symbolic last link to a possible you know, if he's going to give up Batman, he gets her no matter what. You, you know, she pretty much mm -hmm. said. And uh, so, you know, there there goes any any chance pretty much of, of him ever giving up Batman. He should be a little more torn up about it, especially in, in this, you know, as, a, as the brooding, gritty Batman. That should really be the point where he either just like it puts him into total turmoil or it totally puts him into a sort of shocked almost you know over the edgedness and it doesn't really you know he just sort of continues on and Harvey right. Dent shows all the grief Harvey Dent is you know full of grief and and crazed with madness but the Batman doesn't really show it and I can't remember the specific line but there was a line that he said to something that was just sort of the, an off the cuff, and it was like that was sort of a flippant, carefree line for someone who just lost like the love of his life due to a like horrible, you know, she just got blown to pieces, and also, you know, represented any you know any reason to retire. So that wasn't really pursued, you know. She was just dead. They were there was more, there was more. Um, given to the supposed death of of uh Jim Gordon than than to Rachel, you know, of of the the shot of the you know, people coming to inform his wife and and it, that that just seemed to be since they were pursuing everything else and every other motivational point to the extreme and then going over it in dialogue they just sort of brushed that one off because it was near the end, and the cell phone radar. Well, come on, and and you know, and the only reason I think they needed to like pay, you know, since Morgan Freeman was in the movie, they had to use him, so they had him in that scene. So he go, I don't know if I, and you know, agree with the ethics of this, even though I've you know mismanaged company funds and juggled things around and given you, you know, advanced military equipment under the table, you know, all of a sudden he's just like, I don't know if I could cross this line. And the cell phone radar was just such a, such a, like, sort of cop-out, macguffin mm -hmm. idea to just sort of, like, it was, uh, what is it? Um, I can't remember the specific phrase or how to pronounce it. The, um, Ex do, do ex machina. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you pronounce that just either. I know, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking it's, about. Though. It's just created to give. So all of a sudden, in the next sequence, can play out with um, 
so that he knows where everybody is and where he has to go. So you don't have to be like, how does he know where to go? He knows where to go because he's got the cell, cell phones making radar for the whole city and he can see it godlike. You know, I just what thought a, it was really boring. It was just stupid and it was sort of like... <laughs> It was just, and 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 then at, at the end he solves the whole part. Self destructs. I'll never use it again. Well, what the fuck? Good is it? <laughs> Come on, give me a what? fucking break. Well, both, oh, it's uh, so realistic. This movie, it's so realistic. Well, you know, both both Michael Caine, and again, this goes back. I, I really, I feel like I'm picking more on on Batman Begins or or on the entire. I don't know. Is it a franchise after just two sure. movies? But well, I feel like I mean, I'm it's... more on the franchise than I am on this movie specifically. But I, I've had a problem since the first movie with the actors in these movies. I mean, Michael Caine, really, as Alfred? I mean, really, he doesn't look a goddamn thing like Alfred. You know, and he just—he's not my. But he's idea. Michael Caine. He adds a yeah. little more legitimacy to the production. But at the same you know, time, I've Michael Caine will do anything. He'll do exactly. any I've movie. I've heard that shit from a million different reviewers that Michael Caine—he brings Freeman, such too. brings such power and such blah blah blah. You know what? Michael Caine was in Jaws: The Revenge, so give me a fucking break, all Michael, right? You Michael know? Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman sleepwalk through these roles. They're not no, bad. Freeman, they're not. They're I, not. Morgan Freeman's always good. He's always good, but he's always the same. He's the same mm -hmm. character. He's someone. He's someone you. He he plays except for like that one Stephen King, the Dreamcatcher movie, where he played a crazed psycho, which was great. But he always comes. He always comes off as being, you know, a trustworthy person. You know, I'm sure he's played villainous turns, but he has a sort of. There's he's got that aura of a great actor that just has to go up there and be himself, and he's not stretching too hard in this. He's just playing the, you know, the incredibly smart, well-spoken, um, wily, not really wily as much as wise character with a who has a a, a gentle but authoritative air about him. You know, he's playing the same character he plays in just about every movie. That he's, and the same with Michael Caine. Michael Caine is not. He's a very good actor. He he always, he always pulls off. You know, he always acts really well in it. But you're watching Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman doing their thing. You know, it's the same as exactly. Jack Nicholson. Well, and, you know, and, I, and I, Arnold I Schwarzenegger and Jim Carrey, and <laughs> you know, it's you're 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 you're. you're you're never like totally absorbed into that. Like Danny DeVito, I thought Danny DeVito as a penguin was great. I thought he was awesome. He, I thought he was a vast improvement over the Joker, and he was just gross. And but he brought his own edge to it, and it wasn't like watching Danny DeVito. He became the penguin. But uh, you know, I mean, come on, Mister Freeze. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I've only seen like I've seen all I've seen the Schumacher movies, but I've seen them like never in a continuous part. I've watched like a half hour, of, caught a half hour one on TV, and I always watch them going, "Oh, I haven't seen this Batman movie, and now I have seen. I can put them together in my head, and they're pieces of crap. They're not horrible pieces of crap, 
The, no, 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 no. The fourth one, the Batman and Robin, the yeah. the last one is a piece of shit. But the third one, uh, Batman Forever, that's the one where Val Kilmer plays Batman. Yeah. It's not horrible. You know, no. You know, people, people lump them together as, you know, one movie, like they're both just, you know, irredeemable. But that that third one, in a lot of ways, I mean, now granted, I've said this a million times, I don't like any live-action Batman movie. I thought they all missed the mark. But of all six of them so far, I, I'm going to say that, that that is the one that I think was probably the best one. I don't, you know, Jim Carrey aside, I can't, I really don't like him. I don't think he's funny. He's he's yeah. like the Jerry Lewis of our generation, you know, which I th- always thought Jerry Lewis was fucking annoying. But, I mean, the Riddler part of the movie aside, I think a lot of that movie was very true to Batman. You know, whether you loved the movie, whether you hated the movie, there's a lot of that movie Batman related that, that was very close. It's just, it got too silly, you know, it yeah. got goofy it's in a lot of parts. It started getting to be the old, the Adam West Batman. In, in but a lot respects. of the Batman parts of that movie really, they were, they were closer than any other version. I think, you know, in, in, in a lot of respects, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you were talking about uh, Morgan Freeman. Now, I, you know, I like Morgan Freeman. I really do. But it's like, it's like somebody, you know, instead of looking at the characters in this in this franchise, you know, in the in the Batman mythos, take you know, take the part that he played, for example. I, I I honestly get the impression that it wasn't somebody sitting down and going, okay, Lucius Fox, we need a really good black actor for this role. We need somebody that's going to play this guy. I, I really don't get the impression that that's what they did, that they sat down with their, you know, with their little, you know, dossiers of all the black actors in Hollywood and picked the best of the best. I really feel like more it was the other a- a- aspect of, you know what? We got this movie we're going to make. We really want to get Morgan Freeman in here for some legitimacy. Exactly. Where can we shoehorn him in? Exactly. Oh yeah, there's a black ca- character in the Batman. I'll, uh, well, you know what? I'll even I'll I'll even uh, elaborate more. I'll bet you if you get the script, it's not even he's not even mentioned as being. He's just mentioned as Lucian Fox, and they don't say whether he's black or white to leave it open to whoever and they probably had a list of like six to ten actors in Morgan Freeman level right and they started talking to their agents is like hey which one of you is we're doing a new Batman movie but it's gonna be more dark and blah 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 you know who's interested and then you know when Morgan Freeman expressed interest, they were like, oh, well, okay, we need some more black characters in this movie, you know, because people complain if there's no black characters in the movie. So that would work out good. Or, you know, maybe Morgan Freeman was the only one who wanted to do it. Maybe he asked for less money than other people because he just wants to work all the time. But for whatever reason, but for whatever reason, Morgan Freeman and probably a few other people were in a lit because they were like, we need someone of that. We need to. We need to make a character for someone of that level actor to get them in there, 
to right. add some legitimacy because they're always looking for and uh, for for high end actors for them, but or at least, but in the first. Especially the middle two, they were looking for high box office actors, so that's why you got Schwarzenegger and and Carey in there, because right. no, you know, people say Jim Carrey's done some good straight acting where he was where he's pretty good, but like for the most part, like he's he is like Jerry Lewis a lot because he has this very egotistical sort of aspect to him. Where if you see him talking about like comedy, it's just like, well, you see, comedy is this. Adam Sandler does the same thing where they talk very seriously about. I take my comedy very seriously. You see, it's this formula, of blah blah blah, and you have to be the. And I'm watching those two people who I don't think are very funny at all, and exactly. I'm going, well, <laughs> I don't think your formula is working, and I can't believe that your formula is so stupid. And yet you're talking, it's the same with Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis is like, well, comedy is an art and blah, blah, blah. And like in the King of Comedy where he did a serious role, he was great. He mm -hmm. did a great job. And uh, But whenever in a comedy role, whenever I watch him, all I think of is just somebody making silly voices. And there's a physical aspect to it, but it's all very like fake and plotted out. It's just like... Well, if I flap my arms and go, ah, da, 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 that's funny. And and the same with Adam Sandler. If I, if he talks in that little like baby voice that he does, that like half retarded baby voice, that that's funny. And if he like scrunches his arms up while he's doing it, then that's somehow somehow funny. You know, this weird exaggerated like, you know, that's character. funny because I. I never knew that you felt like that because I've always felt like that. I mean, I could name a, a, a bunch of actors, you know, Robin Williams and, and Jim Carrey immediately come to mind of people that, you know, I have never, ever thought that they were funny. But then I see them in serious roles and I think, you know what? They're, they're pretty good actors. Or more straight. Well, Robin Williams was great in Popeye. Well, yeah, that's a, that's an exception to the rule. But, I liked I mean, Robin Williams' stand-up comedy and stuff like that but like even Mork and Mindy I even realized when I was a kid and watched Mork and Mindy that it was pretty cheesy and it was ba basically just a vehicle for Robin Williams to improvise in which was good enough because he was really good at it but you know but they always get to that point where their ego is so bloated and fucking out of proportion that they start you know just phoning in comedy you know comedy their comedy but uh, Jim Jim Carrey, I've seen him do. Fu Mindy. <laughs> yeah. It all ties in. It, it'll all come back yeah. to its to the correct point. But um, it's all about trash and Batman still. But Mork and Mindy <laughs> have to make an appearance. Everybody's got to acknowledge that. I think we promised to talk about things we actually liked in these. Words. Was what was there right. anything that you actually did like in these? Yes, movies? I liked I liked the dinner scene between Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne. You know when they were both on, they both came into the dinner scene. You know they're both in love with Rachel, but Harvey Dent doesn't know that Bruce Wayne is. But and and you know Harvey Dent's got his preconceptions about Bruce Wayne, but then they start. They both start respecting each other and liking what they hear the other person saying, and they they both start believing in each other. And and you know Harvey Dent saying good things about the Batman, 
and you know and Rachel's in the middle of it and she knows what's going on with everybody so she's got to sit there and but they're both sizing each other up and then Bruce Wayne starts thinking I like this guy and he pat and he pulls off giving him a lot of money and at the same time Harvey Dent's like still questioning whether this guy's shallow or not or whether he's just being like friend friendly because he's friends with Rachel and being like I like you I'll give but he you know he convinces him that he's sincere and and you know you can tell Harvey Dent starts to think there's more you know there's definitely more to Bruce Wayne than everybody perceives and I thought that was a well done scene um uh what else did I like <laughs> dun 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 <laughs> I liked the um, part where he gets knocked. He's either knocked down or knocked out. I forget. Where he wi- I think it's the part where he wipes out on the bike. And somebody tries to take his mask off. And it shocks the hell out of him. Uh-huh. I liked that. That was that was pretty much right out of the comics. And it, and, you know, and it answers that, that question of, you know, well, you know, they knocked the Batman out. Why don't they just take his mask off and find out who he really is? Well, that, you know, that, that shows right that, there that, that it's not as easy as that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, um, I liked the, de- the, the detective sub story. It was sort of filmed like a James Bond movie almost. It was sort of a pro where they go to Hong Kong, you know, and he's got, and they, and they sort of infiltrate in and, I I I I was liking with that that the feel of that. I was liking how that was going. And I wanted more of it, but it turned out to be just a little sideline in that first hour. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, I thought that was pretty good. And I mean, I liked Heath Ledger's acting. I liked it, watching the, the Joker was an intriguing character, and at least when he was doing expositional dialogue. It was fucking crazy, you know. He was, and he also presented a good point, like a good crazy person of the Joker's statue. What, you know, you start going, yeah, you know, I agree with you on a lot of these points, and uh, I liked the whole idea of him having the two boats held hostage and told to blow each other up. But I thought, you see, I agree more with the Joker. I think they would have. I think people would have. Like, I think there would have been some more violence in the, like, somebody like, look, give me that thing or I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and there would have been a pig pile on top of it and it would have blown him up or whatever. And was that Ving Rames from Night of the Living Dead? Or not? Uh, yeah. From Dawn of the, the Dawn of the Dead remake, who's the prisoner who finally tosses the thing out the, the, the you know, the trigger out the window. Why we should do what? Should have done a long time ago from the very beginning and like tosses it out the window because it looks like him. From the original one, you mean? No, from the new one, from the remake. Oh, you know what? It might have been. I didn't even pay that much attention. It might have been, actually. He was the cop. No, he was one of the prisoners. Uh, yeah, yeah, in, in Dawn of the Dead, he was. I'll have to, I'll have to watch it again. I, I'm, it might be. I didn't even realize that, but yeah, it could have been. It could have uh, been. You know, he was. That, that was actually. He played. Like, that scene. That scene should have been really cheesy, but his acting in that was was a little over the top, but it was good. It sold that scene. The scene back in the in the regular civilian boat 
wasn't playing out quite to my it wasn't to what I would think would be realistic and uh but um I like the I like the scene with uh when they first had the Joker in the holding tank and he sort of pulls a Hannibal Lecter on Gordon it's almost exactly like Hannibal Lecter and then the Batman comes and just roughs the hell out of him that mm-hmm. was that that reminded me of like the Frank Miller uh, you know, although the you know the Frank Miller dart and it shares the same name. As a matter of fact, after I saw the movie, a couple of people asked me, they "Were like, well, is it a pretty accurate adaptation of the Dark Knight Returns?" And I'm like, "No, it's not at all. It's not an adaptation of it one bit. Nope. You know, it just so." Um, what else did I like? I mean, I thought that the I thought for the length of it. It could have. It didn't bore me. I didn't get bored at any point. It kept moving along at least, and uh, you know, the I thought just generally the acting was good. The cinematography was really good. You know, the the editing was way subpar, but um, you know, the a, a lot of work went into into it <laughs> I don't know what else nice I can say you know I'm surprised all the people who worked bored, on it I was bored in a lot of it a lot of the even the, you know the florid dialogue still it wasn't it wasn't like where I was just like oh would you know holding up the invisible fast forward button and going come on <laughs> come on I, I was. There were several times I was like, "Oh God, can we just get past this shit?" Oh yeah, well I was thinking that too, but it wasn't. You know, it, it, the the movie didn't pain me as much as it just took me outside of the whole thing. But uh, the first hour of it, like I, I'm always more than willing to like, even if, and and this movie I wasn't like prepared to hate it or love it or anything. And I'm always willing to, like, if something drags me in, to let myself get dragged in and get sucked in, even if I'm, like, sort of stubborn about, like, I'm not going to like it. So I really don't think I was too biased not to like this movie. As a matter of fact, I sort of wanted, you know, it would be nice to fucking enjoy it. (laughs) And I enjoyed parts of it, but it just... Um... It, from the very from the very begin well the first scene in it I remember actually seeing it as a preview in the movies they showed the whole first sequence with the with the robbing of the mafia bank and the Joker just having it all engineered so everybody's killing everybody else and then he kills the last guy or you know and the last guy's killed and off he goes he's got all the money for himself that that was and I saw that and I was like you know this could be a really good movie. It looks a lot different, but it's that's that was a really good beginning. It had and and so when I saw that again, it reminded me of going, oh yeah, I like that, and and then it very quickly just start as soon as the really overly melodramatic music started playing over the dialogue, making some actually kind of boring and mundane dialogue sound like it was of great importance because the music's playing and. uh it reminds me of some of uh, Spike Lee's fathers when Spike Lee would hire his father to do the sound, the the score music for his movies, and uh, 
it would just be so ridiculously dramatic and overwrought <laughs> soap opera music over just this regular scene that doesn't have a lot of, you know, so it makes like this undercurrent of something terrible happens, but it's just mismatched, you know, it's not purposeful. And that's what, as soon as that started happening and as soon as it started falling, falling into that editing pattern, I just immediately started noticing it and it took me out of the movie as far as, uh, and uh, you know, it, um, engrossed viewer and it took me right into like I'm taking notes and becoming a a critic <laughs> or a or a coroner <laughs> in the case of this although I, you know I think if this movie hadn't been hyped up so much by the if I hadn't read so many insanely fawning drooling ass kissing reviews of this and people going you know it's just it doesn't pull any punches it's just and it's smartly written and it's well directed and everything is just firing on all cylinders if all i'd heard if 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 it was just acknowledged as like an entertaining a bit convoluted action movie you know it's a more realistic you know, it was a, it was a good movie. It was a more realistic, quote unquote, realistic based Batman, and uh, grittier and violent. And uh, you know, it's a, it was, it was a, a good watch. A, you know, it, 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 it kept me excited all the way through or whatever. But I, I, I might not have judged it so harshly when I was watching it. But you know. After about half hour into it, I was thinking, am I supposed to be watching, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread? Because it's definitely not happening at all. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, even movies that I haven't liked that have, that have been like widely acknowledged as, you know, really wonderful movies. I've been able to see, okay, this is a really good movie. It's just... I'm not a teenage girl and it's aimed at teenage <laughs> girls, but it would work for, you know, and I was just not seeing any of that. And I was seeing some really like just obvious and like kind of sloppy flaws in it, you know, as far as how it's put together or that, or, or that seemed like for such a complex thing, it seemed a little bit like slapped together in points. And, and and a little lazy, so yeah, that's all I have to say. I can't say that I like completely hated it, but I'm probably not gonna watch it again. No, me. Either. I have really no desire to. Yeah, because uh, was like I, I told maybe you if I catch it on TV, I'll watch it again, and maybe it, I'll change my mind completely. But I doubt it, you know. Well, it's like when you proposed doing this episode and, and I told you how thankful I was that you took notes and that you, you were going to cover your you know your part going by notes because, you know, I told you, I said, well, I don't want to have to watch it again to take notes. Yeah, so exactly. I, I remember what the hell happened, you know. But, exactly. Uh, I mean, I, I guess that's a good <laughs> summation, 
you know, for me, the fact that, you know, we were supposed to cover what we actually did like, and I could only think of one thing. So I, I think that sums it up. It was I a mean, pretty minor thing, too. I mean, that yeah. whole scene was probably like five or six seconds long. Yeah. I mean, the, only, the, only other, the only other good thing I can say about it is it, it didn't, it, they didn't bring back uh, Liam Neeson. So that was a good thing because I, I. Oh, I, I God. Can't, yeah. I can't stand him. Oh, they, well, you know, they could have gotten what's-her-name as Catwoman in there. Halle Berry could have shown oh, up as Catwoman. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was a quality movie, too. But, you know, he was just so miscast as uh, as Raza Ghoul, you know? I mean, what, is David Warner too busy or something? Yeah, you exactly. Know? At, uh, Jesus Christ. I, I, He just saw oh, he sucked in that role so bad. I mean, I don't like him anyway, but he was just pitiful. Just oh, pitiful. I, th- I think he's a really good actor, but it, as, as he was basically playing, I'm evil, evil Qui Gon, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Now I'm Qui Gon. Now I'm evil Qui Gon. You know, whatever. Ah. The only thing I liked with him was when his character was about to die. He just sort of sat down, relaxed, closed his eyes, and started meditating. It was just like, okay, here's where I die, and. And I was like, that's good to see a character, you know, he was true to his, whatever, his philosophy or whatever. He did whatever, it, it seems to me that the, that the person of his, you know, pers- of his philosophy does before they die instead of going, or like going, oh, I would have rather shit. seen that because to me it looked more Oh, like at that point, yeah. With- that he just sat down and decided to just die. You know, it's like time to die. Well, I guess I'll just die now. Yes. You know, this movie sucks anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I maybe I'm just way too harsh. But see, I, I didn't I, think. Yeah, I didn't think that movie sucked as much as it just sort of like consistently established really great potential for something, that, and then like. Didn't do anything it, with it. Either didn't do anything with it or, or did it in a sort of crapped out manner. It just, it, it, it didn't really do anything either. I was like, okay, they're trying to do a more re- realistic Batman story, although it has all its fantastic elements, but it was just visually more mundane than like the last, you know, especially the Burton ones, you know. I mean, Gotham City was a stylized you know, Art Deco, insanity, futuristic Art Deco, New York City mixed with all, you know, arches and all kinds of weird things for the bat plane to fly through into, and and then in the, in the and, um, Batman Begins, it was pretty much a regular city with a very cool, ornate, like, L train that they made that was more of that style, it was kind of stylized, old city mixed with future city look to it but in the new one in this new one it's just yeah it's chicago it's new york city it's yep. just it's just a play, it's just a regular big city you know there's there's nothing of that that stylized crazy makes it look like you know oh that's gotham city you know the ornate sort of look of like the tim burton ones I guess that's all I gotta say. Me too. I'm I'm pretty much done with the Dark Knight. <laughs> no, sir, I didn't like it. No, me either. 
And Me either. I don't even know what... If I had to grade it, I don't even know what grade I would give it. An F, I guess. I don't know if I'd give it an F, but it maybe would a, be... Maybe a D minus or something. I'm, what's what's I'm above saying, an F? I'd give, it, I'd give it a C plus, but a C plus is oh, still seems... No way. To, that seems to, to still be heresy. It's heresy to you because it's not harsh enough, and it's like heresy to the rest of the world because it's just way too harsh, you know? I get, I, I get, I give it, I give it about a five out of ten. What's that? Five? You're gonna give it a five out of ten? Yeah. Oh man. I give it a five out of ten. Uh, Easily. Yeah, that's that's too good. There's a lot of good movies that are a five out of ten. Easily. I mean, I've I've seen worse movies for sure. You know it. I mean it. I give it some points just for trying to do something. You know, to attempting to do it. But, you know, I'm, and I'm also, maybe I should take points off for, but I can't take points off because of the critics, you know, because the, the people who made the movie really have nothing to do with the critics. The critics are the ones who just went, and started Pavlo, Pavlovian drooling and dripping. So, and that's a lot of the, and that's, that colors a lot of the reasons why I don't like it is because, you know, I have to listen to people telling me how it, you know, a lot of the people I think who were talking about how they saw it and it was the greatest thing in the world probably would have gone to see it if, and the critics hated it and said, oh man, it sucked, you know, if we would have gotten to them first. That's what's driving me crazy. Maybe we are getting to some of them first. just calling this the best Batman movie. They're not just calling it the best superhero movie. They're calling this the best movie ever. It's not even the best superhero movie this year. I mean, <laughs> Jesus uh, yeah, you know, it's just it's it's weird. I don't understand it. I, the best, totally I mean, the best movie ever. You know, you've got a lot of movies in line before, like a lot of sci-fi and geek type oh, movies yeah. even start showing up uh, even though those are my favorite kinds of movies yeah. unfortunately they're not in the you know a lot of the great filmmakers didn't always although a lot of them did go in that direction I mean you're telling me that this piece of shit's better than the Empire Strikes Back this movie's better than uh, the Wizard of Oz the Raiders of the Lost Ark Raiders of the Lost Ark my yeah, favorite you're... one flew of the cuckoo's nest yeah um, I mean I don't fucking think so. It's I better mean, than Turner and Hooch. I guess I never saw that either, but it's it's, I mean, I'm it's trying better to, I'm trying than to... Swamp Thing sequel. Oh my god, that movie was fucking horrible. It's better than um, I can think of a, a, just about any Adam Sandler movie that it's better than. It's better than Candyman, and that was that's pretty much my standard for like absolute fucking shit movies. Was you ever see that one? Candyman? No, I never yeah. did. Oh my god, it sucked ass. So it's better than that. It's better but, than like slowly poisoning yourself with strychnine. I don't know. There were a couple of points in the movie where I actually kind of wish I could have done that, but uh, if you're drinking the drinking water from the fountains, you might have been. <laughs> You know how I that city water is. If I had to give it a, a, a number grade on a scale of 1 to 10, yeah, honestly, let's hear it. <laughs> taking everything, everything into consideration, uh-huh. you know, 
from 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 all my complaints from the lousy act you know not the lousy actors but the poor casting and and some lousy actors too but mostly the just the poor casting of the misuse of the actors to the the score that was just i mean you know for the fact that one of the two guys that worked on this score was James Newton Howard who I really really like i mean he's he's had some excellent scores the score had nothing memorable. It was just all yeah, percussion it, or, or sweeping uh, strings. The first one was like that, too. Batman Begins was the same way. And I blame the other guy. See, it's a, this was a collaboration between James Newton Howard and Hans Zimmer. Now, I can't stand Hans Zimmer. So I, I really have the feeling that he's the one that's that's made them non-memorable. He put the in suck into tape. it. Yeah. But, I mean, James Newton Howard, you know, just the shortlist, he's done like The Fugitive – um, King Kong, you know the re the recent remake, uh-huh. um, the live action Peter Pan that was out just a short while ago, a couple years ago, he did uh, the Sixth Sense, Signs, Unbreakable, The Village, Waterworld. As shit a movie as Waterworld was, it has an awesome score. Um, Atlantis, The Last Continent, um, Dinosaur, and he's had a slew of other really good scores and really, you know, for movies that were both good and, and not very good. But I mean, he's an excellent composer. But both of these scores, Batman Begins and uh, and The Dark Knight, neither one of them were any good. So I mean, anyway, taking all of the different factors into account, I, I'd give it a 2.5 Ooh, out of 10. Wow. Yeah. Half my score. Yeah, I really, I really thought it was just a poor movie. So the only thing we really disagree on is the degree of suckiness. Mm -hmm. Well, what's funny, you know, what what's odd to me too is that if you had plugged in another character, or even just, you know. Just made it a guy who was who was going out and, and being a vigilante. I probably would have enjoyed this movie, but it's the fact that it's trying to pretend that it's a Batman movie, and just in that aspect, that's where to me it fails horribly because it's just not it's just not Batman. You know that that's my still my major beef with it is it's just they did not capture the true essence of Batman, and if this had been you know. Hey, I have an idea. Sam. Let's write a third Garfield movie in dark, gritty <laughs> Batman style. Where he kills Odie and feeds him to John. Yeah. Feeds him, to him, feeds him to him in a lasagna. <laughs> yes. I think that's been done. We'll have Mark Hamill voice the voice of Garfield in this one replacing Bill Murray and we'll have him do a darker Garfield it'll actually Garfield will be bitten by a rabid bat yes you know just that, like Cujo I so bad well I think we just need to wrap this up but you know you, you mentioned Mark Hamill and that that's how we thing. pitch it man Garfield about... meets Cujo <laughs> We talked about, you know, the fact that I thought Kristen Bale was a shitty Batman. I didn't think what's his name was a was a shitty Joker by any stretch. I actually thought he was really good. He was good. But uh, what if 
Mark we make Hamill it. Gets, gets no cred whatsoever for his for his Joker, and he's still he's a great me, Joker. Yeah, Joker. He was scary as shit in uh, in Return of the Joker, man. Did you ever have you seen that one? No, I haven't seen it. I saw it's, Master uh, of the Phantasm a long time ago. You just see that one. I was not. I didn't watch um, Batman Beyond. I, I watched the first couple episodes and it kind of put me off I just wasn't into the whole future thing and all that but that movie's worth watching because there's a big flashback sequence in that that basically tells you know the end of Batman you know why you know why or what whatever it basically tells whatever happened to the Joker it's like the final Batman Joker fight and it's all told in flashback and I'm telling you man that shit is sinister Mark Hamill was, I mean, he was nailing it. It was really good. Kevin Conroy's voice is, is really excellent as Batman during that part, but it, it's it's really, it's very, very intense. So Very good. So skip the new Batman and go and start getting some animated Batman is what you're saying. I, I still, you know, I still maintain that, you know, for the best, the best adaption outside of the, you know, the best translation of Batman to another medium is still Batman the Animated Series. So, fan, so fans out there of uh, the Titanic movie, <laughs> don't pay to see the Batman movie because you're just tr pushing it ahead of, of Titanic. Go out there and spend your consumer dollar on Netflix yourself up some animated Batman Mask of the Phantasm or what, Return of the Joker yeah yeah it was uh, yeah. yeah Batman Beyond Return of the Joker is really good and, and yeah Mask of the Phantasm I mean if you know people keep saying you know what a great Batman movie this Dark Knight is I'm telling you the ultimate Batman movie is still Mask of the Phantasm it's it's great it's the best most most faithful version I believe I I, I love that movie I hold that one up. And it's got an excellent, excellent Batman being hunted by the police sequence. Great action sequence. And, uh, you know, I should take this opportunity to welcome people to <clears throat> pop into our forum. That we'll, yes. That, that we should have up by this time. And uh, I'm sure people have something to say. Oh, yeah. They're going to be calling us every name in the book. And that's fine. No, I, I want to. I, I actually want to hear. It. But what I what I want from people is I want you know. Tell I me, appreciate tell where, that. Tell us where we're wrong. I I I want to understand what people are seeing in this movie. And so far, I've read nine million gushing reviews, and I you know I've seen things all over the forums, criticizing me because I didn't like the movie. But what I haven't hear, heard yet is I still have not seen. How dare you have an opinion anyway? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have not seen anything to sh to explain to me what it is that other people are seeing and I'm not, because there's obviously something that someone's walking away from this movie with well, that I, hear, I didn't walk away with, and I still don't know what it is. I hear what they're saying, but I don't see what they're saying. You know, I, I heard. I, I mean, I heard what I heard their points, and that sort of psyched me up to see the movie, which I wasn't really too excited about you know I hadn't seen when this one was coming out I hadn't even seen Batman Begins at that point I just saw it recently so to watch this because I'd heard such good things about this one that I'm like oh I better watch Batman Begins because it takes place right after it so I want to be sort of up on it 
if I go see this because it sounds like it's supposed to be and I'd seen the first sequence from it and I was like hey that seems like it could be pretty good so uh, just uh, uh, yeah and and when I and after hearing all those good reviews that's that's what I was expecting and I just I could see I could see where those elements were all introduced into the movies, but I just didn't see them being as successful, if not sometimes being completely unsuccessful. But, you know, when when people are talking about it and using the word masterpiece and flawless and stuff, I, you know, I mean, there's just some obvious, pro obvious problems with it. And they get glossed over and they'll say, well, you know, this movie's a little, it's a bit long. It's a bit too much dialogue and it's a little overwrought, but it does that it transcends that and to me it just it, it just didn't and there were lots of things that took me out of it that just like I it, I, I wasn't delivered the masterpiece that I expected, I guess. Uh, I, I definitely felt that that No, it was no masterpiece, that's for damn sure. No. No, not in my book it wasn't. But we need to wrap up because yeah. we've been going very long in this episode, and uh, and I gotta take a wicked piss. That's so. how it works. <laughs> gotta drink but, uh, that caffeine to stay awake. Oh, but. I'm telling you, but uh, we can uh, we can be uh, contacted and called sons of bitches at our Gmail account. That's uh, two true freaks at gmail dot com. That's T W O the word two true freaks at gmail dot com. And like Chris said, we should should have a forum up by now thanks to uh the generous guys over at the uh the comicforums.com the the comic geek speak guys um hopefully that's up and running um by this point if it's not we'll we'll have a little amendment at the end of the episode um and i think that's about it for now yeah any uh any last minute uh any last minute things? I uh, just want to say, come back next week when we'll be reviewing Garfield 3. <laughs> and uh, I think you'll be surprised at how much we liked it. Uh, it's it's a dark and sinister take on uh, on Gar on the Garfield mythos, if you if I will. And uh, yeah, it's um, dare I say revolutionary. I'll download it, but I'm sure as hell not going to pay money for it. I, I saw it on IMAX with the uh, orgasmo goggles and the special <laughs> attachments that they put into your brain stem. And let me tell you, I'm a different person now. And I'm a better person. <laughs> oh, man. All right. There's a scene no, where Odie's no, blood is just gushing out towards you, right towards you into your mouth and you can taste the coppery flavor of dog blood. You know Ew. that flavor. Okay. Yeah, it's getting late. <laughs> the caffeine is wearing off. Yep. The big clock on the wall is about to fall off the wall. And uh, we'll call it a night until the next time when we fucking come back and piss off more people <laughs> to All amuse right, ourselves <laughs> well, join us next time when we'll be talking about whatever the hell we're going to talk about next time so until then uh, I'm Scott Gardner and I'm Chris Honeywell 
And, and have a good one. Two freaks.